Greetings and welcome to Stamper Cinema. As always, I am your host. My name is Andrew. Joining me today again to continue along our Lord of the Rings trilogy series is my buddy Brad. You'll remember him from our last episode where we tackled the Fellowship of the Ring. And in today's episode, we are chap uh, tackling chapter two, the two towers. So without further any, so without further ado, here is Mr. Brad Fuller. How's it going, Brad? It's great. Hello, everybody, and thanks so much for having me back. Dude, are I you passed kidding? the test. Yeah, you. Yeah, and then some. <laughs> uh, I can't. I can't even begin to tell you how much of a re like resounding success that episode was. People, people loved it. You know, the the feedback has been really positive. People are downloading that episode. It, it's it, it's doing well. So great, great job. Excellent. I, I will not attribute that to my first time I were on a podcast, but whatever you want to say. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I think I think it came out pretty well. I think we obviously we we had that that fun little half hour of catching up and which, you know, fed into a lot of the discussion. But I think it was good. I think it was good. And kind of like yeah, we introduced good. ourselves to each other. Right, right. Yeah, everyone I listened to it with uh, enjoyed it and said it came out really good as well. So good. And we continued on the conversation afterward, right? Like we we hung out not too long ago. Like we had a little like a phone conversation for a couple hours. You hung out with my wife most mainly. <laughs> that was a that was a bad night. Yeah, I might have might have been a little tipsy there at the end. Ah, Sorry. It, it was it was it was I a lot of fun. Contribute to the was... conversation as much towards the end. <laughs> <laughs> it was still a good night. It was, no, it was great. Yeah, it was. It, you helped settle our argument that we were having, our heated debate about when the last time we seen you was. Yeah, and your wife, um, you know, threw out some information that I had completely forgotten about. You know, so shout out, shout out to her. Does that a lot? She <laughs> she won't remember what happened last week, but she'll come up with the finest details from 20 years ago like <laughs> like they just happened today now have you had any opportunities to go back and listen to the episode were, were there any things that anything that we that stood out that we we got right we got wrong anything that you're like shit i, I should have talked about that but i totally forgot to or otherwise everything was pretty okay you know, like I said, when I when we first finished, I had things that I just kept popping in my head, but I don't think any of it needed to be there. Mm -hmm. um, you did a great job editing it, and uh, I thought it sounded pretty good. I mean, obviously, we didn't go beat by beat and explain the whole movie, so we maybe could have, you know, talked a little bit more about the movie and the and the different, you know. Maybe not went scene by scene, but I think there's a few scenes we just kind of glazed over that could have been maybe talked about a little more, but no big deal. Yeah, I agree. You know, it, it's one of those like delicate balances with like one of these type of podcasts is the fact that like how in depth do you go? You know, I, I've tried a couple different episodes where we get really, really nerdy and talk about things beat by beat. But from a, from a listening aspect... If you're really into those movies, that's important. But for a lot of like the casual people that just want to hear a couple of people talk about a movie, right? Sometimes getting really nitty gritty is a little especially, bit tricky. Especially if we're a 20 year old movie that presumably everybody who clicked on this has seen, right? So, I mean, mm -hmm. they're not they're not listening to this as a review for the first time. They're just curious what we were going to say, right? Because mm -hmm. they also like the movie. That uh, that would be the audience I would assume you get, but. You never know. There might be some people that never heard of it. Maybe some youngins out there. We encourage them to seek it out. I don't know. I mean, if one person watches uh, the movie because of our conversation, then that's a win. 
Right. Yeah, that'd be awesome. All right. Well, um, for those that listened, Brad did a pretty damn good job of explaining the uh, the first film. And I'm curious, would you be willing to do a little rundown of what this movie is about? Um, sure. Uh this is the the middle child of the uh, of the series, which typically trilogies don't get a lot of love for the middle movie. Um, this one, I think, has some of the most epic scenes in the whole trilogy in it, though. Um, so this is the continuation. Uh, Frodo and Sam are now on their own, headed towards Mordor all by themselves. Uh, everybody's split up. Boromir died in the last movie, even though it doesn't happen until the book this this book mm-hmm. and, um they concluded it with his death we got mary and pippin taken away and they're kind of off doing their own adventures now in this movie uh trying to kind of establish themselves uh, as they escape the orcs and then you got uh the other three hunting them down trying to find mary and pippin and then uh kind of everything getting brought together at the close of this big epic battle where you know saruman is finally you know went full on bad guy right yeah and uh yeah it it concludes like that and uh this is pretty much the downfall of saruman in this movie uh where he kind of gets shut down after this one he's not in the next one a lot and uh i don't know that's that's about it right yeah i think that pretty much uh sums it up one thing that i think would be good to mention is the the rebirth uh, of Gandalf, right? Who who oh, yeah, died in the previous film, and now he's back. And that's how we open the movie with the scene that I was the most worried about when I read about that they were filming background scenes of Gandalf fighting the Balrog. I was like, oh, that could go bad. Uh, <laughs> I'm mostly happy with it, but that's how the movie opens is uh, we get that clip of uh, Fellowship of the Ring, uh, the fly you fools, and then Gandalf falls and. <laughs> Somehow catches his sword in midair, somehow catches up to the Balrog and fights him in midair. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of stuff you just kind of right away as magic. <laughs> but it's an epic fight. Yeah, it, it, it's really interesting because in so many, like, if you hear about it, you're like, there's no way that that, that can work. There's, like, how, how visually can you film that and have it, one work and to not lose your audience in like the first two minutes of the film. Right. But it does, you know, Peter Peter Jackson like works some freaking like, like magic, you know, uh, getting, you know, as just falling and falling and falling and doing this, doing this battle. And you know what? Fucking crushes it. And it's like, all right, this is the movie. Let, let's let's keep going. Let's let's right. see what like, happens from here on out. Not, you know, we'll throw you we're throwing you right into the fire. Mm-hmm. And you know. Um, but yeah, it was uh it was a good opening scene. Uh, you know, like I said, suspend disbelief a little bit because Gandalf's a powerful wizard. But yeah, that was it was a good way to open the movie. What's from there? We just go to uh Aragorn and Legolas, right? Cross country <laughs> track trying to track down uh um Mary and Pippin, right? Yeah. Now you you obviously are well more versed with this universe than I am, but can you explain like obviously we as audiences we have a kind of a fundamental understanding of what wizards are, but what are wizards within 
this universe like because they're not quite man obviously and they're they're not elves they're, they're something entirely different so can you can you kind of explain that as if i'm a, a total i can total explain idiot? that a little bit um i did tell my wife right before we started recording that i do not know this movie frontwards and backwards as well as i do the last movie so <laughs> but that's still that's a fair question um in this world there are five wizards uh, they're called Istari. They're like these higher being. Um, and they are sent to Middle-earth. Saruman is their leader. Then you have Gandalf and you have Radagast, who we meet in The Hobbit. And then you have two other wizards who even Tolkien himself never even named. It mm. was just, and those were, they were sent to Middle-earth for this purpose, to find the One Ring and destroy it and make sure Sauron doesn't come back. So Radagast is kind of the crazy one who gets, you know, goes into the woods and, you know, becomes friends with all the animals. Gandalf's the only one who sticks the task out. And so the other two are named in video games and, and board games and stuff. But they, Tolkien only said that they wandered off east and lost lost their cause. Mm-hmm. So as far as their capabilities and their powers, that gets a little bit more muddy because you don't you don't really see them cast spells in a sense there's a few times where you could attribute like okay he just you know saruman cast the lightning that struck the mountain in the first movie etc but but that's kind of what they are they they are here for this sole purpose that is why gandalf was sent to middle earth does their their color have significance because obviously there was gandalf the gray and now he's gandalf the white and then we have radagast was the brown right Uh, Mm -hmm. the other two wizards were blue um and I'm just going to call them Alatar and Palando because that's how I know them as from um, other universes of from a card game that basically named them and that kind of stuck. Works for me. So Gandalf is the white who is the white was like the highest level of wizard. So he was the one in charge uh, later when he becomes bad. He kind of switches to Saruman of many colors. And I think in the movie, he does refer to himself as that one time. And by him doing that, it kind of like left the rank of white wizard open. So Gandalf mm. was got promoted, you know. And uh, so Gandalf moved into the white wizard role from the gray and uh, Saruman doesn't know that. That's why he disguises himself in this movie before he approaches right and tries to, you know, get the curse off of him. So that's uh, yeah, that's the, the quick background of the five wizards. Cool. Thank you. I, I, admittedly didn't know that and it's been it's been 20 years or so since i read the book and i don't even really know if they talk about yeah i'll be honest with you most of that stuff isn't really even in the book you gotta start digging into the appendixes and all the like i was saying last episode the there's like 13 volumes of lore and history and you know it's like an encyclopedia yeah earlier you said that you, you don't necessarily know this one as well as you do the previous film was it just because you didn't read this book as much, you don't like this movie as much, or it just it's the middle chapter and you're like, I, I want to see how it starts and I want to see how it ends? Um, you know, I don't have a good answer to that. Um, I did see this one on opening day, just like I seen, uh, you know, the last one. Um, I don't have any special stories to tell about the first time I seen this one. I just went and seen it as soon as I could, just like last time. When we get to Return of the King, I'll tell some other stories. But uh, yeah. um, it's... 
I, I don't know why I haven't watched this one as much as the other ones, but I mean, I, I absolutely love the battle of Helmsteed. That mm-hmm. is yeah. you know, a cinematic masterpiece. That whole, that whole entire fight scene. I, I don't know. It's uh but like I said last episode as well, this one I feel that the extended edition is essential to understanding it. Um, and I don't have like a, a beat by beat of which scenes are in one and not the other. But I remember that some of the scenes they took out, I left the theatrical version going, you know, that's that, that I hope they fix that later. And they did. I just, uh, I feel like this one you need to watch the extended edition, especially if you are a you know a fan. If, I mean, if you're just a casual movie goer, you probably got everything you needed already. But what do you think about that? Did you watch both? I did. So leading into this one, because that was one of the things that you had mentioned before, which is the only way to watch this one is watching the extended. Yes. Now I do have the theatrical, like that I downloaded those, and once upon a time I had the DVD of, of both, but. You know, I've never moving and getting rid yeah, of like you know friends. like media and things like that, and now I'm co- fucking collecting media all over again. But there was this there was this time where I was just kind of like purging, like I don't need all these freaking DVDs in my household, you know. Right. But I had the extended, and you know, so I had seen it before. But in preparation for this uh, for this interview, I watched the theatrical, and then I watched the extended. So I mean, leading into this interview, that's what ten hours basically right. of just watching watching one movie uh, um that you know half of half a day right there so what but, did you conclude so what i concluded is the the extended is perfect for those that care about like the nuance like specific details like about the rope and you know knowing about some of the foods and some of the things that were left you know that they, they got from the elves yeah, not every scene added a lot to the plot, but I feel like there was a lot of Saruman stuff that was left out of the theatrical version. Yes, and then so you get more Saruman in there as well, which was which I thought was very very good. It enhances a lot of I don't want I don't want to use exposition, you know, but it it is downfall. Pardon me. <laughs> His downfall. Yeah, it enhances his downfall. Yeah. I mean, you you get you you get a lot more from that, which you know you get more more meat and potatoes. And as we know from Sam, you know, potatoes are uh, are very very important to him. But <laughs> yeah. but I I don't think that if you're a casual person, you're you're gonna the movie's gonna end and you'll be like, well, that sucks. You know what I mean? Like the movie, this movie right. is the extended is for the fans. You know, and I think. Of course, yeah. And then the the theatrical is just for those that really like all I'm going to all I can stomach is a three hour film. Don't give me another hour of of, um, you know, them talking about some elf stuff. And Mm -hmm. especially when they really I don't think they added that much for Helm's Deep, all things considered. You know, I I don't think there was much. No, there there was some stuff that didn't even make it into the extended edition from Helm's Deep that was pretty right. cool. I don't know if you've ever sought out on eBay and looked at like the the AON scenes that didn't make it into either version. Um, I actually hadn't seen those until I was prepping for this episode and I was just searching and I realized there was about 10 minutes of footage that I've never even seen before. And it's all raw footage, no special effects and stuff. But uh, it was neat. There's there's a lot of behind the scenes her fighting back with the women and children, fighting off the few orcs that made it in. Right, and that was mm-hmm. neat. Yeah, 
Now we we've talked a little bit about the book and we talked a little bit about this film and we I think I think you mentioned Boromir just a few minutes ago and I, I'm pretty sure I mentioned Boromir at the last episode where he technically he dies in this book not not the previous one but right. I was trying to think if there were any other large deviations from the 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 film in the book and I think one of the things that I enjoy at least based on memory is that Peter Jackson, other than a couple little bits here and there, pretty much keeps everything intact. I think I think there are some, like well, one thing that I noticed was in, in the book, I'm pretty sure the Ents were pretty much on board to take down Saruman, like by themselves. You know, they, they were on board. They were on they board. They found out sooner that he was tearing down the forest and yep. stuff. And in this one, they gave Pippin a little bit of a brain, you know what I mean? And right. they, they smartened him up and he kind of um, turned this way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of manipulated, you know, Treebeard and, you know, got the ends. And now cinematically it works pretty well. And I think from a, from a plot device, you have a little bit better causality and it, it kind of works that way, you know, from like moving the plot. And I don't think it really hurts, hurts the book, but I was just trying to think if there was anything else that maybe, that that did stand out to you well well much like the other movie the last movie the beginning of return of the king is actually the end of the two towers mm, book mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh so shelob's lair and that what we end with Gollum talking about how he's going to lead him to her and we don't know who the her is yet and he's talking about the great spider shelob that's actually in this book um another big thing would be the elves were kind of already busy doing their own thing. They didn't send help to Helm's Deep. That's not in the book. Um, so the elven army that shows up at the last minute, um, mm. that's not in the book. Oh, but and it's so fucking cool, man. Just like cool. that, like when when um, Aragorn and I can't believe I forgot his name. Oh, my God. Um, what was the uh, that the uh, the elf? Um, no, 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 no. Haldir? Haldir, yeah. When they like embrace and then like the elves like kind of like turn like all in unison. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. It works good. And uh, that's actually, that's not in there. Um, And when we, when we get into things we don't like, I'll, I'll bring this up again, but also the, uh, the fake out Aragorn death where he falls off the Mm -hmm. cliff. Mm -hmm. That's not Mm -hmm. in the book either. Right. I don't yeah. think that was necessary, but I mean, it, it's fine. It works. All right. It's just, no, it's, no you're, you're, you're right. I, I don't want to, I don't want to kind of gloss over that because that was one of the things that always kind of infuriated me over this, this franchise is the, the fake out death. Right. You know, yeah, like, it, it, it happens I think they just that because no one died in this book. No main characters actually died. So um, they wanted to have some more tension moments. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. they killed Haldir, but he wasn't really a main character. Yeah. But. Yeah. No, I, I I get that. I get it. But then it kind of, I, I, I want to say it almost affects the real payoff, which is in Return of the King, where how many characters almost die, but don't die, you know, like of like of the main group. So, right. And that's, that's one thing my, me and my friends actually talked about is that, lessens the stuff for later you know Mm -hmm. the lessons attention for later when you have those fake out deaths like that and everyone knew he wasn't going to die even if you never read the books you knew he wasn't going to die yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) yeah um 
on the flip side, it's one of the things that, you know, I think a lot of Lord of the, uh, rather Game of Thrones audiences enjoyed is the fact that really actually killing off like central characters. Oh, yeah. George R. R. Martin's ruthless. He, yeah. he, will, he will make you think that this character matters, you know, for the mm-hmm. rest of the book. And then, no, he'll just kill him in the next page. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, but, you know, that, that's a really, really great uh, call out regarding uh, Aragorn and, and talk about uh, um, uh, the fucking spider. Um, Shulab? Shulab? is the spider, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But those are the two things, that, other than the inconsistencies that were already set up that we talked about before, um, where they're just the cinematic changes that affect all three movies. Those are the biggest things I can think of. Like the uh, Aragorn not getting the sword until Return of the King when he shows up. And, you know, that he was supposed to already have that sword right now and things like that. Yeah. I guess yeah. The, uh, the Frodo and Sam Faramir stuff is not in the book either. Oh, Faramir, I think, is another another uh, uh, another kind of deviation in. Mm. I remember in the book, I think he was a little bit more of an empathetic character initially. He yeah, he wasn't the whole "I'm going to kidnap you and take the ring back." Right. Uh, yeah, and I think they just kind of played on setting up Denethor to be as crazy as he is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they did that, and uh, you know, it was it was weird. And they have that. Uh, there's a there's a call out to that not being in the book in the movie where Sam says by rights, we're not even supposed to be here because in the books, they never go to Othgiliath, never do any that's of right. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a little call out to, Hey, yeah, we changed the story a little bit, but, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it all works out pretty good. It does. I think for the most part, I, th- I think the movie is really, really well done. And I can think of a dozen things that I enjoy about this movie, but I'm, I'm kind of curious to hear what, you know, what are some of the, whether it's a, like a, a favorite scene or several favorite scenes or a favorite part or what, what about this movie? Helms deep aside, you know, uh, because yeah. I think it's pretty safe to agree that, that, that that's everybody's favorite part about this film because of the fact that it's freaking phenomenal it's phenomenal, right. but what, what else about this movie when you, when the credits roll at the end, you're like, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like this. Um, or was it more the things that you didn't like because you're uh, Mr. I've read all the books and I'm going to see Legolas skateboarding down staircases and that's going to that's going to piss me off for the edge. Yeah, of, I mean, that does that does, that does annoy me, but uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I, w- I didn't know how the whole Gollum stuff was going to play out. And I think Andy Serkis did an amazing job. And those scenes, um, especially like the going back and forth between good Gollum and Sme- you know, Smeagol and, you know, and, and Gollum, Gollum and him kind of doing that bouncing back and forth of, do I want to help them or no, they, they're trying to kill me. Now, that was I know really you neat. probably know, I assume that, you know, like the kind of one of the things that made that scene kind of magical I probably um, uh, stop me if you've you've heard this, but Peter Jackson didn't direct like those scenes, and he didn't write that specific like scene. Did you hear about this? I don't know if I know that story. You mean the back and forth scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was okay. actually the reason why that even has kind of like a different vibe to it entirely was Fran, like she okay. uh, yeah, she wrote and directed that that segment. 
Okay. I think I missed that. I don't, I don't yeah. think I've ever. Uh, it was one of the things that I had that I had just been, you know, like just researching and one of the things that why that has just such a kind of, I mean, and it's so perfect, but it also feels a little bit tonally different than a lot of the other things going on in that movie. Right. Well, Peter Jackson didn't actually direct or write that specific scene, which I know Andy Serkis did, did some improv that let mm-hmm. him make a few things on his own, but I didn't hear that she had directed that part. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he did, he did a good job that that's a good, good break up the tension as they keep bouncing back and forth mm-hmm. to, to what they're doing. Um, I love the scene at the black gate, you know, where they hide with the, with their cloak, you know, and look like a rock. And, you know, you see, it's like that, the wizard of Oz scene, you know, kind of played out. Yeah. Yeah. Total, <laughs> total wizard of Oz. Yeah. And, uh, that's cool. Um, uh, you get to see the Oliphants for the first time. Those, those things are cool. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I like, I like everything about the movie, but, uh, but a few key little, little moments and uh one of them another one would be oh, i'm supposed to be talking about things i do like <laughs> i feel like i just keep going to things i don't like as much um can we talk about for a minute how incredibly terrible the nazgul are at their job <laughs> yeah They're, they are the elite special forces unit sent out by Sauron and there's so many times that they're right there and somehow you know Frodo just ducks around a corner and they're like ah oh, give up and fly away mm-hmm. you know <laughs> so yeah I love I love the Nazgul I like how they come back on the fell beasts those look really cool in this movie um instead of you know they, they lost their horses in the first movie so now they're on the flying beasts and the Nazgul are, are even cooler you know in the next movie but still it, it, there's so many times that Frodo just evades them just you know for no reason at all yeah I mean well you know your bad guys are traditionally kind of obviously dumb in films you know I mean stormtroopers can't shoot anybody and these terrifying very true you know these terrifying things can't can't actually grab the ring when it's right in front of their face 10,000 <laughs> times in this film, like, right. or like this trilogy. I mean, it's right there all the time. No. Mm-mm. Right. <laughs> and I, I get it. I mean, that's how you have to do that. Obviously, you know, otherwise the, the movie doesn't work and it ends and, you know, but yeah, that was, that was just another thing that I remember writing down that as I rewatched it, I was like, wow, they are just terrible. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it's a really interesting uh, like point that you bring up, and a lot of it has to deal with you know uh, fantasy within this film or fantasy within all all walks of life. I mean, we want we want danger all the time, but at the same time, we don't want our our heroes to really you know relinquish. You know, like we, right. we you know. it's funny because of the fact that with limited exceptions, you don't really see. And again, we, we mentioned uh, game of Thrones a a moment ago, but with very, very few exceptions when it comes into action, adventure, fantasy, you know, um, you don't, yeah, you're not going to really punish your heroes unless it's empire strikes back and you're going to do that with han solo or something like that but typically like your your central characters are you're going to put them in peril but you're not going to do anything to really completely mess things up and obviously 
in Return of the King with the spider, you, you've got that, but then you have this that that heroic arc of, of Sam. But yeah, I think there's just there 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 are rules. I think that you have to with the amount of peril that you can put your protagonists in in a, in a film. Um, but which is why I think when a writer like George R. R. Martin comes around and says, "Now nah, fuck those rules," I'm going to completely shatter all of your your beliefs in how things are supposed to be. Fantasy needed that because yeah. fantasy, I mean, Tolkien kind of set the standard for fantasy and everyone else just kind of copied his blueprint and changed stuff around a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it, a lot of everything they're in, you know, these books are what has become the genre. And there's all these stereotypes that started with this stuff. And we briefly talked about that last time. So, I mean, yeah, it's uh it's good to it's good to shake up the thing a little bit but yeah i mean i don't i have to read the books again to see if you know if the nazgul were really that close that many times right yeah in the books but i mean it's good visual effects it looks cool and you know i give it a pass but it's still it's still funny when i rewatch it and i'm like like, (laughs) it's right there right in front of you yeah no totally totally um i think that's a probably good segue into well what so a fun little technical difficulty. My my daughter is in the next room. She she dropped a book that was in her crib and she just lost her mind. So oh. um, I can't remember exactly where I was, but, but I it believe... was a perfect segue into something. Ah, yes. So based on that, I think this is a perfect segue into well, what are a couple things about this film that you did not like, other than the NAS school and Legolas skateboarding. <laughs> and the death fakes and the uh, death fakes yeah is there more let me see well maybe well then you know what then give me something else about the movie that you did like that i did like oh i i love i love the ent battle at the end uh the ent battle's fun you know and then tearing everything down and you got the ent that's on fire and runs and dunks his head <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that's just a little funny little scene you know that that was cool um um i don't know um you know, i, I Go ahead. No, I, I I don't mean to interrupt, but I think something that maybe we can agree on, but I think this film's far more quotable. They're I taking think... the hoppest to Isengard. Pardon me? <laughs> They're taking the hoppest to Isengard. This has become a internet sensation. Sure, <laughs> can... yeah. And Treebeard, Treebeard is amazing. I, I Treebeard love Treebeard is great, obviously. Um, the the actor plays Gimli, obviously plays uh, Trey's, uh, does a voice of Treebeard, but just so many different things. Obviously, you know, we're introduced to to Gollum and the 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 conversations between Gollum and Sam are. I hate you. I don't like you, but I'm tolerating you. And you know, it's 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 a fun little dynamic between the two of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed more of the Gimli and Legolas banter, although I think it also. Although I enjoy the, the the dialogue in this movie, I, I found a couple of their interactions just a little bit much. Um, just yeah. with, with the counting of of the their murder, essentially, you know, they they mm-hmm. they got a lot of a lot, you know, very uplifting in the the carnage that they're mm-hmm. <laughs> they're responsible jokes. for. Yeah, there's more jokes in this movie. There's more mm-hmm. clips and little, you know, like the you know Gandalf. Uh, you wouldn't rob an old man of his walking stick you know right and then he does the little wink you know mm-hmm. when he when he goes in to meet theoden and uh i mean that's something we haven't really talked about much at all is is theoden and aon and that whole thing um i mean i like grima as a character i'm, I'm surprised that 
as many people, you know, would side with the new king when they know, hey, this is obviously not what our king looks like or acts like. And, you know, you have the, you know, the the loyal riders that are that are banished, which we meet right in the beginning of the movie with Carl Urban and Eomer. And I, I, I just think it's kind of weird that there's that many uh, there'd be that many people that stuck around and like, no, this is this is normal. Are you are 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 you surprised? Because I think that's something that that I find fascinating is the fact that people will stick around um even it could though... be they're just scared yeah i mean it could be and uh you know you have the the riders those are the ones left that are they're loyal to rohan mm-hmm. and, uh, but yeah i mean it's fair I, I guess i could see it both ways yeah no i get it i i think just the on the surface you're like like obviously that's what's going on right now ain't good business you know uh there's something wrong with with our with our king you know he he's not all there mm-hmm. but then when you really analyze human behavior no no it makes perfect sense and i think we see it all the time now like yeah you, you, our leader has lost his mind but we we're still going to side with him you know, like you, you see it, you do Fair. see it. I'm not Fair. even trying to get into like yeah. modern day politics, but yeah. it, you see it. That's a that's a great point that I didn't think of. But yeah, absolutely. But yet you watch it on camera and then your brain, because you're a normal, rational thinking human, you're like, surely, surely like these people would be like, no, Grima is like doing, you know, some type of hoodoo here going on. And our king is he's got like 14 inch eyebrows and his hair right. all he's over the aged place and 50 years in the past week you know? yeah 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 um, and a lot of that is well, i mean it took gandalf obviously to break that spell so without gandalf doing that they might not have been able to so i mean i guess at the same time you know what are they going to do about it mm-hmm because I mean, it takes you know the most powerful person on the planet essentially to to fix the situation. So there really wasn't a whole much they could have done. Yeah. Anything else that stands out before I start going through all the things about this movie that kind of like stood out to me? Um. No. No. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, I'll, I'll probably think of something else. But uh, go ahead. Okay. So. I'm going to kind of echo a couple things that you had mentioned, but I'm going to bring them up again because I, I think they, they they're repeating. But again, Battle of Helm's Deep is just phenomenal. And I'm sure you already know a little bit more like the background on how they filmed that and how long that took to film. And if you want to offer any insight at any time, go for it. Feel free to take over. Like four but months, about, right? Like four I mean? months to film that total? Yeah, four Three months to film night. it at Three night. All the time. I mean, it doesn't even take most most action films four months to film the entire film, and they're doing four months for like an action sequence. I mean, it's great. It's a forty five minute action sequence, but still. Um, now it is interesting because of the fact that Helm's Deep. I don't remember it in the book as that big of a deal. Maybe I don't know. Like, I don't think I, it was that epic in the book. I mean, it, it was still an epic. You know, it was still a last stand, you know, and they still fought him off. But I don't think it was as epic as the movies made it. Well, yeah. I think I think it's fine, though. You know, I, that's, you know, one of the best battle scenes ever. Mm-hmm. 
You know, actually, interesting fact I read a little while ago, actually, was that there were never more than 100 Urukai at one given time. All the rest of them are computer generated. That is something else that, um, what a wonderful, wonderful segue, is the fact that this movie did rely a lot more on CGI than the previous film. A lot more, you know? And it still had the same, you know, budget that the previous, both were about $93, $94 million mm-hmm. per film. But this one definitely did rely a lot more heavily on on cg you know you, you had uh the the urukai you had obviously the ents and the the battle of isengard and all that stuff and but tree beard tree beard yeah i mean how are you going to make a, a walking talking tree uh, without without putting someone in a costume or uh, utilizing cg and it was still pretty pretty early technology with the the the, the full-on pure cg like characters and battle and that was kind of cool that was neat that, that they were able to do that but again yeah it, it 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 was different it was different from from the previous film where peter jackson relied heavily on a lot of uh camera trickery to mm-hmm. make some things happen where this one was was just that a lot of a lot of uh, new computer technology that he did but i think he did pretty pretty effectively would you agree Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's phenomenal. Uh, and a, a lot of it, I mean, a lot of it is is Weta too in their amazing mm-hmm. ability to build things. I think I read that they're like the Tower of Orthanc was actually like twenty some feet tall. Like they actually had you know a model of it built, and you know the model of Helm's Deep. There still was a lot of perspective used in that because it was only like seven feet tall and like twenty feet across. So they still did some perspectives and stuff to make that look bigger. And then I think there was like a fourteen foot tall tree beard built. You know, I don't know if it was animatronic and walked around, but you know, just for the set scenes. But right. And then yeah, obviously Andy Circus did the whole thing. You know, in you know in the motion capture suit, which is neat that's probably i don't know if it's that's i'm sure it's not the first time that's been done obviously but i know that was probably one of the most extensive times it's been used that early yeah i might be completely wrong i'm just no 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 no, no. (laughs) you you just you just mentioned andy circus and i think like his role blew up because of what he was doing like just the just the role of Gollum blew up you know with with um within the green screen everything that he was doing for the um that I think he was hired for like X amount of time. But he ended up staying on so much longer because of like, he, right. he was just a, like a magician. And I read that originally he was just going to do the lines mm-hmm. and they liked kind of his body movements and stuff so much that they just kind of cast him for the whole part. But I think yeah. when he signed the contract, it was just a three weeks of reading lines. That's crazy. It's but then crazy. when he on the audition for it, they're like, no, you need to like do this in the in the suit and play him as well and now like andy circus is like the meryl streep of that you know like anytime anybody wants a full-on like cg character to like yeah. do all like the movements and everything he's he's your guy. He got he, paid enough for snoke right i mean you i mean he, <laughs> he, he did snoke he did king kong you know he did um um caesar in the uh the the um Planet of the Apes, like reboot series, he did those as well. I mean, the, the guys, the guy's phenomenal. He's incredible. Right. And I read that they were petitioning for him to be a best supporting actor 
potential, but the Oscars have a rule that if you're not physically on screen, you're not mm-hmm. qualified. And that, that that's too bad because, you know, I mean, he is that character as much, you know, with or without the CG around him. Yeah, totally. Totally. Now, another, another thing that I don't want to say it was something I didn't like, but just something else that kind of like stood out to me. I, I love what they did with the Ents. I I don't know. Like, it, it, do they really need to talk about the end wives? Probably not. But it was something that I always found kind of like tragic about, like kind of like sad about their their story, you know, about the ends, you know. And well, that was an extended like, edition scene, wasn't it? The did, they, oh, did they talk about the end wives? I don't remember that. I think there's a quick mention, mm. but you no, know, we have the end drops. You know, the drink uh, that that's a that's an extended scene. And keep going. Go ahead. Sorry. No, it was just one of the things that that it adds just a little bit more. Uh, I don't know if sadness is the right word, but you know, just something tragic about 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 the ends is the fact that they're no more like end wives. You know, and. Where are they? If or, you know, will where will there ever be any? You know, will they find right. them? You know, I thought there was a quick mention, but I'm not sure. But mm. uh, I remember we we talked about last episode with Tom Bombadil. A lot of Treebeard's lines in this are actually spoken in the other book by Tom Bombadil. Right, mm-hmm. kind of transplanted like that lore and knowledge ancient knowledge and stuff and kind of gave it to treebeard which makes sense by having treebeard i, I it, it kind of does in in some ways make tom bombadil's character kind of like redundant and which is why if they knew that they were going to go all in on treebeard in this one then do you really need to have another kind of weird mythical being you know uh in that i think that's something that if, if you if you tell me I have to I have to have a choice between Tom uh, Tom Bombadil and Treebeard and the Ents, then I'm definitely going to take the Ents over Tom Bombadil. Right? Yeah, Treebeard's a much cooler character. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Oh, one thing that I really love about this movie is, and maybe even my my entire impression is wrong, but when Aragorn is kind of observing Theoden, saying, you know, this is what we're going to do, and you know, we're, you know, we're going to, you know, have our stand in Helm's Deep and, you know, it, it's a good place. And, and then Aragorn essentially is saying, you know, what are you doing? You know, like, you know, why are you retreating to that? Yada, yada. Theoden kind of like rebuts and said, like, what would you have me do? You know, like most of, you know, most of my people, you know, they're, 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 I forget the line, but they're, they're. The war is upon you, whether you wish it or not. You know, he accuses him just warmongering. I don't think, I think it's because Theoden, for some reason, even after being taken over by Saruman, doesn't see the real threat and is still clinging on to that little bit of a grudge there is between Gondor and Rohan. I think that's what they're trying to show, but it makes Theoden come across as like, it was like my problem. I'm not, I'm not worried about it. That's interesting. See, what I got was the fact that he was, he was saying something to give his people some type of hope. It was almost kind of like he, the way that I read that scene was he was showing Aragorn how to be kind of like noble and kingly in that moment. Because well, that could be true. I never thought of it that way. Because then they, they, they do kind of like a parallel scene shortly later with Aragorn and Legolas. And Legolas is saying, you know, they're, they're going to die, you know, and, you know, like, what, you know, what are we doing? Da, 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 like these people are going to die. And then Aragorn's like, well, 
then I shall doubt, you know, then I shall doubt die as one of them. Right. right. So mm-hmm. he, he is now embracing a little bit of, of that kingly duty. At least that's, that's the take that I got was Theoden like showed him something. Aragorn kind of like, huh. And then he has the same conversation with Legolas huh. and Aragorn has now taken up that, like, I'm going to, you know, that I'm, I'm going to fight and die as one of them. That's, that's an excellent point. And I never even thought of it that way. And uh, maybe, maybe, um, you know, and obviously, you know, Aragorn's the only one who doesn't think he's going to end up being king. Everybody else already kind of knows he's going to end up there as mm-hmm. being king. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, neat. Never thought of it that way. Well, you know, and I could be completely talking out my my ass, you know, but it was just one of the things that I saw in the movie is kind of like Aragorn going through his trial. And because of the fact that in in the first film, I really feel that our hero is Frodo, you know, like that's, you know, this is this is the guy, this is the guy that we're tracking and this is his journey. We're going to follow it. Right. Then you do this movie. And. Frodo, Frodo's character becomes really, really passive. Like he's basically relying on everybody else to determine like his own journey, his own fate, you know, in the way that this movie is kind of framed and sure. Maybe a lot of it has to do with the weight of the ring, you know, and, and it it just gets heavier and heavier, but everybody else's role gets heightened in many ways. Uh, Sam, you know, he he hasn't really become the, the hero in this one that he does in, in in the next film, but you know, he has his moments in there, you know, just trying to be kind of that that conscience for for Frodo. But in this film, at least the way that I kind of read it, is this film is more about about Aragorn again, just assuming a little bit more, I'm no longer just a ranger, you know, or right. I'm in love with an elf, you know, I'm I'm literally, you know, they, they gave right. that little next nugget about about Gondor and, you know, that who who he's supposed to be. And you have his death and his rebirth, essentially, you know, kind of mm-hmm. in in this film. And maybe and maybe that is another reason why perhaps that they have him his his fake death is because it was the death the death of strider and like the re like the rebirth of aragorn i don't know i don't know but that's fair yeah because you have uh you know the scene where arwen comes to him and does the whole elvish lines to him where mm-hmm. she basically says like you know your job's not done get up you're not dying here you know essentially i don't know what the words exactly are but you know what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. And yeah, so that I mean that's a good point. And obviously, the next movie is where he really finishes that transition. Yep. Of course. Um, but yeah, you definitely can see it in this one where he takes on more of that the weight of everybody else, and you know he's you know he's trying to help everybody he can. Whereas yeah. before, he was all about himself. Yeah. To get into the final third of this particular episode. I would like to talk about any fun, any fun facts or fun trivia or anything that you came across during your readings that we haven't mentioned, but you would be, you'd feel irritated if we didn't bring them up at all. Well, we did, you know, to keep it going with the theme of last time, the death count for this movie, significantly higher. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it was like 468 when I found, when I found it. <clears throat> 
so like double <laughs> what we experienced with the first movie, but then mostly that's because of uh, Helm's Deep. But really, it would probably be closer to like a hundred thousand and two hundred, right? Because I mean, they killed all the the or just about all the Urukai and everybody off. I thought it was interesting when they did the uh, when they did the Grimma scene where he walks out onto the balcony and sees the uh, the orc army for the first time and he does the tear thing. I didn't realize that that's a thing people can learn how to do, and apparently that actor just can make a tear when needed, which yeah, I feel like on cue, the man. perfect actor skill. Not useful for much anything else in life, I guess. Maybe really argument. <laughs> But yeah, I thought that was neat. I, I figured that was just rendered in there, you know, or something or some way. But it's neat that he can just do that. Yeah. So Brad Dorf, who's been acting forever, is such a like an under such an underrated actor. But yeah, crying on cue is one of his uh, one of his strengths. <laughs> that thought that was neat. I, again, I I don't know the actors anywhere near like you do so i i couldn't tell you anything else he's ever done but oh he's a child's play <laughs> okay well there you go you, you saw child's play did you ever see oh my god uh I'm, I'm i'm looking into the heavens right now jack nicholson one flew over the cuckoo's nest no Okay. Well, you should because he's. I'm one of those people where I say name name ten movies you think everybody has seen, and I might have seen two or three of them. <laughs> well, I mean, you saw. I mean, doesn't matter. You saw Child's Play, so you you know who he is. But right, right, um, right. Yeah, I mean, he he's been in a lot of a lot of trash, but his his first film, kind of the movie that got him onto the onto the map, was One Flew Over, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which iconic American classic. But um, but yeah, no, that was that was great. Oh yeah, whenever someone has a black and white picture on IMDb, you know they've been around for a while. <laughs> it's true. So an interesting bit of trivia that I did not never clicked to me. I'm always terrible at finding an actor and being like, oh, you're this person. And I had no idea until like an hour before we started recording that Theoden is the captain in Titanic. Yeah, yeah, that's that, the captain uh, in Titanic. Bernard Hill. I, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, that is him. And mm-hmm. yeah, completely never even crossed my mind that they're the same person. Yeah, and uh, we mentioned Gimli and... Treebeard, I forgot his name earlier, but John Reese Davies, he was in the mm. Indiana Jones films. Um, um, one, I remember there's two bits of trivia that I always remember from this movie without even researching, you know, this episode. One is the scream of Aragorn after he kicks the helmet being he real. He broke two toes <laughs> and they kept it in the movie because Peter Jackson thought he was just acting really well. And in fact, he was just screaming in pain. (laughs) (laughs) I always thought that's, that's funny that that's the final, you know, that's the clip that made it into the movie. Mm -hmm. And obviously all he famously also broke a tooth in this movie and like refused to wash himself off because he didn't want to break, you know, Canon, you know, and, and, uh, and uh, what's that called? Continuity. Right. so he's like, he didn't wash off the orc blood or anything on him. They drove him to the dentist. They glued the tooth back on. He went back and started refilming Helm's Deep again. Um, and there's a picture of him on the internet somewhere where he's missing a tooth. Where I didn't he, know that. Yeah, that, that I missed. I knew that, or at least I thought I heard that somebody like broke. 
an arm or broke a rib or something during during Helm's I think, I think Orlando Bloom broke a rib. I think mm-hmm. Bernard Hill broke some ribs. I think several people, several people did. But then the other bit would be the uh the Gollum scene where he's catching the fish in the stream. Uh, if you remember, this is one thing I've just remembered for like 10 years that I always, that I always bring up is when they came out to film that scene, it had snowed the night before and the stream was frozen and they brought in all these heaters and stuff to melt the snow and get the, the stream flowing again uh, so that they could film that scene in, you know, freezing cold water so when he's actually doing that, I mean, he's in, you know, it was frozen a little bit before that. So it's, you know, it's, you know, 20 mm-hmm. degrees ish, you know, 20 to 30 degrees. And he's filming that scene over and over and over again, where he's crawling through the water. <laughs> <laughs> we thought that that was uh that was a funny thing. I'm trying to think if I've got anything, I've got a couple that, that, that I read and I don't know the, the, the facts on it, but I think that they're, I think it's interesting that, the the available horse riders that they had at their disposal they only had x amount of actual men so like the the riders of rohan a good chunk of them were actually females and what we know about within this world is certainly you know of of rohan where women are kind of you know they're as uh aowen kind of talks about you know the role of a woman you know that they're not really able to do much essentially from the fighting aspect so the writers of Rohan were all men, but many of the actors in the film were actually female that they just donned uh, uh, beards for so they could be part of the writers of Rohan. Uh, yeah, kind of- that. We, didn't, we didn't talk a whole lot about writers of Rohan, but that, I mean, that's another book inconsistency uh, is that Aomer was actually in Helm's Deep fighting. And there's another character that's leading the writers of Rohan that rides down the hill with Gandalf. Mm. Um, who's not in the movies? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, the licorice for um, oh, the, yeah, so orcs have black mouths because they yeah. don't have, yeah. I, I that would have been like my my hard pass, but like, no, no sorry, it's terrible. No, oh my god, <laughs> it's it's pure freaking like repellent. Like, yeah. I won't, I won't go anywhere near licorice. Can't you got the, the one eyed extra that was cool, yeah. Here. The one eyed extra, yeah. That was, it, that was, that was actually really prominently cool. featured on screen. And uh, you know, Peter Jackson just said, Hey, let me see what's underneath that eye patch. Like, hey, do you mind taking that off? Peter Jackson obviously played one of the one of the the uh, ear thrower, yeah. Well, he was in the first movie too. We didn't talk about that, we didn't, we didn't. He's, he's had that little cameo in Brie. Mm-hmm. Um, just as like a guy on the street, um, and a lot of the actors' kids and stuff play like the women of the women and children, you know, or a lot of uh, you know, kids and sisters and you know, other friends and family of a lot of the actors as well. Did we mention E. McKellen's accent that he based, even though I mean, people will hear it and it sounds like E. McKellen, but the way that he he phrased certain certain words and his tempo allegedly was based off of like inspiration for J.R. Tolkien. No, I didn't know that. So that was one of the things that I read. And again, a lot of the stuff you pull from the internet and you'll hear, you know, you'll read from like different interviews and things like that. So we're basing a lot of this on the internet. So some of these facts may be inaccurate, but that was one of the things that I came across in the reading. Just I like, like the, I, uh, have you heard about the, you know, the, the Uruk-hai chants? 
from oh, when from, they're uh, from like New Zealand, like a cricket uh, stadium. Or, uh, it was yeah, a cricket, cricket stadium. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, Peter Jackson led the crowd. Would put the put you know nonsense words up on the uh, up on the jumbotron and led the crowd to chant. And that's what they used for you know that that's so cool because I I don't think a modern movie would even consider doing something like that because i think mm-hmm. we have technology now where you could just you know have one person say it and multiply it a thousand times and change it and you know it'd be all audio tricks now but the fact that he actually went out to a stadium and you know got everybody at halftime or whatever to to chant to use that i always thought that was really neat too i mean that's it's just the, the differences in making a movie 20 years ago versus i guess probably making one now Right. Okay. Final, final couple things before we put you on the hot seat for a little trivia, but uh, critical reception. I was kind of curious to see how this film did in on Rotten Tomatoes critically 95% from the critics, 95% audience score. It said it made more money than the last movie. It did. It yeah. made, it made a lot more money on uh, this one did versus the, the previous one. It made about 937 million worldwide where the previous one made just under, I believe 900. So, I mean, a nice little increase in the movie came out like a year after. It was so, every December. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, any, any final, final closing thoughts before I, I test your knowledge on the movie that you know the least about least amount of i feel like we've been a little bit all over the place we probably didn't give gandalf enough talk in this one but you know um you know it's it's a for a middle installment it's solid it's got some great scenes in it and it sets up everything for the finale enough that when it ends you were like oh i gotta wait another year at least that's how i was in the theater yeah you mentioned lines and i had mentioned lines earlier there are just a couple things in the like i think i think this movie's more quotable i think there are some really good lines and if i pulled up toss like, me pardon me i love the toss me yeah, they tossed me. Uh, that After was the great. last movie, you had the Nobody Tosses a Dwarf, mm-hmm. which the toss me scene was actually filmed before the other one. The, the, this movie's toss me scene was filmed before they filmed the Nobody Tosses a Dwarf. Mm, I didn't know that. There, were, I mean, I think most most of the lines are really good, but at some like sometimes there's the occasional line that just kind of like takes me out, like when. Aragorn says to Legolas, "What do your elf eyes see?" Like, like yeah, we we know he's an elf, dude. Like, yeah. like do, do we have to call out like his elf eyes? Like, uh, that's true. I you know I didn't even think about that, but yeah, that's that's a little corny, you know. And you know the whole the whole reason is for like pure exposition because he's you know he he the whole idea is that they're they're moving faster because they're essentially being kind of aided by Saruman, you know, like that that's the whole right. kind of the the whole implication that we're supposed to get, but it just seemed you know it's just one of those kind of like over the top pieces of dialogue where i think some of the some of the good stuff on there like i i love the line where after all the ents have met and they're you know like pippin and mary are waiting to find out if they're going to come and join them yeah comes out and says we have decided <laughs> that you are not orcs and right. uh pippin's just like well that's a relief and i mean that that is that's some good levity you know obviously there's been a lot of heavy things going on and you just have that little bit of like 
well well timed comic relief, at least as far as I was concerned. Right there, there like I said, there's there's several jokes in this one that that fall at the right times and, and they work. But one last thing is Battle of Helm's Deep when Gandalf arrives with the Omer and the Riders of Rohan. That is way too steep of an angle to ride some horses down. Yes. <laughs> I'm like every time I watch that, I'm like, all oh, those horses would have just fallen. They're just going to tumble. Down the hill. Yeah. They're just going to all become just like bowling balls down, and that's how they that's A how they kill coaster. off all the, the Urukai <laughs> is just like stumbling into them. Um, <laughs> also, when when um, Thaelin kind of like leads that charge and they're just going down like that narrow path and there's what like 15 guys on horses and they just like take out all the that like the Urukai like on like yeah. um kind of like that path i'm like right. no dude uh-uh yeah, just, those horses just are going off that cliff falling off as they're riding down yeah. <laughs> yeah. just just cutting through <laughs> them like no big deal it's like no mm-hmm. so for like plausibility like no man the a couple of those Urukai would just like grabbed onto those horses and just like they would just all like went off a cliff. Right. I got one last piece of trivia. I know I yeah. said that was the last one. I got one no, no, last no, no, no. one. This this is fine. Is that uh that was a real battering ram on that gate? And Weta Workshop built the gate so strong that they couldn't break it with a real battering ram. They had to weaken the door in order to break through. Hmm. Because Weta built it so solid that a real battering ram, a real tree trunk, couldn't get through. That <laughs> is awesome. That's awesome. As Peter Jackson says in the in the um, like in the extras in the in the docu- you know in the documentary DVDs, the other ones that yeah, you know yeah. if he was ever going to defend a real castle, he would want Weta to build, you know, <laughs> to build the fortifications. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um. I'm going to try to do like one more two, one or two more lines of dialogue just because I, again, I, I just loved it. Uh, again, just another Gimli Legolas bit, but all the Urukai are right there. And Gimli is obviously a dwarf. You can't see over anything. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he looks to Legolas and he's, he's saying, you know, what's happening out there. And Legolas in very, very calmly says, shall I describe it to you? Or would you like me to find you a box? And, <laughs> yeah, that's great. And Ghibli just like pauses and then just like busts out into laughter. And again, just more levity. This is, I think, one of the things about this film is, yeah, you know, a lot of like comic relief. But in the sea of tension, they would always throw out, hey, what's going on? Looks like Brad has busted out a, a tree beard. Um yep. Real, real quick, we'll we'll do we'll do uh, we'll do it one time just because I had to bring them out. My daughter put googly eyes on them. You can't see it. <laughs> it looks awesome. Was that a line you were going to talk about? <laughs> no, but that that that's great. I love it. That's my tree beard. He's awesome. Oh oh oh. The the line that Theoden uses like um where he mentions that no parent should have to bury their child did you hear about this um yeah it's uh based on something from real life uh i guess yeah Uh, go ahead go ahead you probably can tell it better well no no I'm, i'm i'm gonna butcher it but basically i think that was a line that he had put in because of he whether he was talking with somebody and that was a line that like 
like somebody said to him that, yeah, that it was had like lost a random their person that he had met at some point in time mm-hmm. and it stuck with him that much that he kind of dedicated that line to this person he had met yeah it's pretty just, poignant, you know. I mean, it's it is one of those like heartbreaking things. Um, we didn't really necessarily talk about some of the, like the, the newcomers into this. We didn't mention like Miranda Otto who played Aon. You mentioned uh, Carl uh, Urban who played um, Aomer. Aomer. Um, we mentioned Brad Dorf. The one of the dudes that was in Three Hundred who you know plays Faramir. Um, right. And then, you know, actually, there's a 300 reference by Orlando Bloom specifically because he drops the 300 against 10,000, mm-hmm. which is a direct 300 reference. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any other actors that I may be. Obviously, we mentioned uh, Bernard Hill, who is the, the mm-hmm. captain of the Titanic, um, uh, Andy Circus. Right. Yeah. Any circus. Yeah. Cause the golem in this is completely different than the mm-hmm. yep. brief glimpse we had at the last movie. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's most of the major, the major players. You get the brief Denethor appearance in the extended edition, mm-hmm. setting up his character for the next movie. Yeah. Let's get into this trivia and then we will wrap up and then conclude next month with, uh, with return of the King. So here you go. Question number one. How many arrows does Legolas fire at the orc who who breaches Helm's Deep? Oh, man, that was another thing I had written down in my notes. Like, you are the best archer in the world. You know, you've proven it time and time again. And now here's the most important shot of your life. And you miss. (laughs) And you miss. And you miss. (laughs) Um. Uh, is it three it's only two it's only two mm-hmm. okay yeah there you go I, I knew i was gonna get questions wrong today no 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 it's, okay. it's fine um now but yeah again it, it's it's one of those things because of the fact that he never he never misses his target he 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 yeah, kills right. every time some of every the time. most ridiculous impossible shots even earlier in this movie you know that he makes and then now i mean I guess they're trying to imply that that guy is of a different breed. He's right. you know, the strong one mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. But still, yeah, that was, you know, why would you start, you know, light it and start running that early anyways? Right. But that's a, <laughs> but anyways, okay, I got one wrong. That's all right. I'm human. Go ahead. What was Theoden's son's name? Jeez. Wow. Gambling? Is one of the characters that I can't remember who is, but I don't remember. Yeah, Theodrid. Theodrid, yes. I knew that. Now that you said it, I knew that. See, I feel like I was ready for these questions 10 years ago. All right, go ahead. <laughs> who this killed is, between, between Legolas and Gimli? Who killed the most orcs? And do you remember the, the final tally? This oh. might have been an extended edition. I can't recall. Final tally was uh, he was twitching, so <clears throat> they were tied at the end at, uh, or no, they. Uh, I think it was forty-seven to forty-six, and then forty-three to forty-two. Forty-three to forty-two, something mm-hmm. like that. Okay, all right, I'm over three. 
All right, here you go. And I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation. You know I watched this movie a week ago. We didn't record on time. I'm blaming you. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll take it. You know, I'll blame my wife. You know, she she had to go to a funeral. So it's her fault. I blame her. Or well, I'll blame the person that died. No, no, that's no. terrible. No. I can't believe I said that, but I had to say it. Okay. Um, all right. So I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of, 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 this, of this character. But who or what is... Brego. 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 B-R-E-G-O. B-R-E-G-O. Can I Google? Uh, give me a hint because I'm I'm drawing a blank. Uh, okay. Has four legs. I'm assuming you mean a horse then. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember a Brego horse. That was Aragorn's horse. Is that Aragorn's horse's name? Well, what was, Shadow Facts. Well, Shadow Which Facts. Everybody knows Shadow Facts. But and, the, the uh, fun story allegedly is that Aragorn and, or rather, uh, Vigo ended up buying this horse. Right, yeah, and they, when they had to do all the retakes, they had to ship it back to New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So the horse had to get shipped back to New Zealand five times. And if you know anything about horses, they really don't really care for for uh, for traveling. Oh, right. <laughs> right, well, I'm 0 for 4. All right, well, you got this one. Regarding Fangorn Forest, Legolas said the forest is full of what? They're in the forest and it's Fangorn Forest. And we know who, you know, who lives right. in Fangorn Forest. The answer in Fangorn Forest. But like said the to... forest is full of what? I know I can I can see it in my head. I can I can I know exactly where you're going with this. And uh is it that the scene where Aragorn somehow becomes the best tracker known to man? Yeah. It yeah. can real it can moment by moment detail everything that happened just from glancing at the grass. And that's the whole reason why I wanted to pose this question <laughs> anyway. So you, you know the entire lead up of what I wanted, you know, oh, yeah. which, is, which is the fact that, yeah, like so I'll I'll answer the question, but when one because there was another little fake, right? We we think that maybe Oh yeah, because they're like we found no one alive, or we left no one alive. Mm-hmm. You know, they see the burning pile in the distance. Like, how did you not see that before you met them? In <laughs> <laughs> this giant forest, you managed to keep out of shot until that particular moment where you're like, "Oh, there's a forest here." Yeah, a really, really <laughs> big, weird, ominous-looking forest too. Right, and uh, it, I mean, I'm sure it's something to do with spirits of trees and stuff or other i just don't remember the answer is memory uh, Memory? but i would have also taken anger Ooh, okay but yeah no what was more important was it was just an opportunity to talk about aragorn like tracking and finding yeah that was another thing i wanted to bring up is yeah i mean i get it like you know their bonds were cut you know, they were here. They ducked this way. They ducked that way. You know, I for cinematic cinematic purposes, it was neat to mm-hmm. like have him track as they played out exactly what happened. But yeah, but realistically, like it was ridiculous. Yeah. Um. What else? I, I read one final thing that just kind of like ties into it, but I'm probably butchering my facts here. But I'm, I'm I just have this in my head. I don't write anything down. Or if I did, I, I lost those notes. Oh, for the listeners, Brad and I both like wrote a bunch of like detailed notes and neither one of us actually can find the notes that we have. So we're probably both going to locate the notes that we had for this film on the next film. But uh, 
one of the things that I vaguely remember was when it came to casting all the Urukai, they were loaded with extras that were like under like six feet tall, right? In New Zealand, right? So they had like a nickname for for them. They were, what was it? It was like the Uruk Lows instead of the, the Urukai. Because they were they weren't as tall as they wanted them to be. So mm-hmm. yeah, they made fun of them and called them the Uruk Lows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is funny because there just wasn't enough extras that were over six foot apparently <laughs> so yeah let's not you know we, we can make fun of the fact that i'm oh for five you know um I, you I was five worried for five about, last time so you know i, I had to, i had to make it challenging you did make it challenging and i can't believe i missed a couple of those i think i think they're fair questions i don't think they were super deep cut yeah no not really but yeah it's uh yeah, whatever. I'll do better next time. Whatever. I think this is a good conversation. I think we, again, we're not going to get everything. We're not going to cover everything, but extensively from, from the, I think we talked more about this movie in our conversation than the previous film, where I think it was like a 90 minute interview and a good half hour or so was just catching up where this one we, right. we've been chatting for over an hour and change and it's only been about this film. So mm-hmm. it, it's hard to tackle everything in a we're, we're talking extended version, really. And that's a four hour movie, you know, and so it's, right. it's tough to get everything. But at its core, I think we've we've covered a lot of the nuances. And this is a middle chapter where our. All of our our heroes are are splintered off, and we're watching their specific single mission at at its time, and the the perils that they put themselves in, and the the friends and allies that they meet along the way, and how they do essentially through the the help of 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 giant trees take down one of our two big bads in in the in the film, which. It is funny at the end of the day, like the, no, I guess it, no, I guess it really isn't all that funny. Um, but you know, you, you have this character that is so remote to everything that is going on in this movie or rather within this franchise is, you know, really responsible for taking down, uh, taking down Saruman, which was kind of neat but i think there's obviously an analogy where they're talking about like industry versus like nature and you know how how nature can still like revolt against you know steel and and industry and you know like i don't know maybe you know what i'm, I'm gonna edit that out because i don't know the point that i'm trying to make right there but anyway if you start digging into the weeds you'll find many many people trying to make lord of the rings about everything you can think of there, yeah. there, there's books and, and articles all about parallels to politics and religion and normal life and you know like what you were saying and edit that out too <laughs> <laughs> or i'll leave it in and uh if you're listening please uh give us one of your one of your theories because i mean there there's so much to unpack with with this obviously jr tolkien brilliant brilliant man and he, he was saying something and he was saying a lot of things because this trilogy is well over a thousand pages right so that's all i've got for tonight brad thank you again this has been a lot of fun i've enjoyed this conversation almost as much as uh as the last one but i'm really looking forward to tackling the the, the final chapter of this trilogy i think yeah 
Um, it, it's weird to say that this is my least favorite of the, of of the three because I really do enjoy this movie. And you had mentioned that you didn't necessarily have um, any any memory specifically when you saw it in the theater. I don't know if you remember, but in Virginia, in Portsmouth, there was this really, and they still have it, it still exists, a really cool classic movie theater. It's called the Commodore. And it's just like this old movie theater that they have in Portsmouth. And what was kind of unique, and I think they still do it, it's not really super unique now because a lot of theaters do it, but they also, it was also kind of like a, a movie and a dinner type thing where, the, you know, they bring out, you know, they bring out food and, you know. Um, okay. But the cinema cafes now, which are. Exactly. You know. Yeah. But, it, you know, that was something that wasn't all the rage in 2001 or 2002, whenever this movie initially came out. And again, it was like a classic style movie theater. And I just remember going and it was like a whole experience seeing that film. And that became that for like the, the final two years that, that I lived in Virginia, any movie that I really wanted to go to, I would only see at the Commodore because it was just a, such a really great experience that they had. And Hopefully that theater is still uh, thriving. Obviously, who knows how things are, you know. I've heard of it. I've never been there. Yeah. I've well, been to the Nero, which is a similar. I idea. love the Nero. Yeah, I was a big fan yeah. of that theater as well. But all right, Brad, I think that wraps it up for today. Again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was awesome. Listeners, thank you as always for tuning in. Please like, listen, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Tell your friends. Find me on social media platforms, leave a comment, you know, whatever it is, you know, and we'll see you next time. But before I say goodbye, Brad, please uh, close on out any way you want to. Um, I'm coming for revenge. You're not going <laughs> to stump me next time. Uh, see y'all. Bye. You're ready for, you're ready for the next one. I'm excited. So listeners, We'll see you next time on another episode of Stanford Cinema. Yeah.